Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra strong trash bags. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Log Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Change Agents Dilemma for Thursday, September 19th, 2013. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do once a month on Blog Talk Radio. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals and teams to influence organizational change at Inclaria. The Change Agents Dilemma is how to influence change without authority, and my goal with this show is to share ideas and stories to help you do just that. Before we get started, I'd like to let you know about an upcoming five-part webinar series I've got uh, called Design and Influence Irresistible Change. And that starts actually next week on Tuesday, and all the events are from 1 to 2.30 p.m. Eastern. The topic next week is about defining the change. How do you get really clear about what's really changing so that you can communicate that and design around that? So if you'd like to hear more about that and sign up and also learn about other events that are going on in Eclaria, I w- welcome you to visit uh, slash events Today, though, my guest is Dr. Bill Rothwell, who is here to discuss supporting change with accelerated talent management. Bill is a professor in the Workforce Education and Development Program in the Department of Learning and Performance Systems at the Pennsylvania State University. He has authored, co-authored, edited, or co-edited 300 books, book chapters, and articles. He is also president of the consulting firm Rothwell & Associates. Before arriving at Penn State in 1993, he had 20 years of work experience as a training director and HR professional in government and in business. He has also worked as a consultant for more than 40 multinational corporations, including Motorola China, General Motors, Ford, and many others. In 2012, he earned ASTD's prestigious Distinguished Contribution to Workplace Learning and Performance Award, and in 2013, he was honored by ASTD by being named as a CPLP Fellow. His recent books include Becoming an Effective Mentoring Leader, Proven Strategies for Building Excellence in Your Organization, that came out this year, and talent, excuse me, talent Management, a Step-by-Step Action-Oriented Approach Based on Best Practice that came out last year, and many others. <laughs> many books, Bill. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Heather. I'm delighted to be on the show. So let's just start with the basics. When we talk about talent management, what, what are we talking about? Well, you know, talent management to some managers sounds simple, but it can actually be much more complicated than it may sound. First of all, the issue of talent itself is open to question. When we say the word talent, sometimes people think we're talking about top of the house like the CEO or the CEO and his or her direct report when, in fact, talent resides throughout an organization. Another way of thinking about talent is to think of it as the top 1% to 10% of the people who are both promotable 
and who are good performers in the organization, so-called high potential. Yet another way to think about talent is to think about individual strengths, what people do best, individual gifts. Everyone has gifts. Everyone has strengths. Unfortunately, some people go through their whole lives without discovering what those strengths are. So talent management can key to any one or all of those potential meanings, and consequently it can be more complicated than simply decide, deciding how we recruit the most uh, productive performers or how we identify people who are promotable or how we retain top talent. It's that and more. Okay, so a big topic. (laughs) So then which of those definitions are most related to organizational change? Well, I think any or all of them can be. Uh, (laughs) For many organizations today, the organization change group, whatever we may choose to call that, whether it is organization development or organization change, or organization effectiveness. There are many names for that field, but uh, very often the talent management portfolio, so to speak, resides with that organizational change or organization development group. So that has linked the two in the sense that many OD practitioners are are put in charge of facilitating the introduction, implementation, and maintenance or sustainability of the talent program, however it is defined. Okay. So you came here to talk about accelerated talent management. So well, talk about yeah. what that is and how is that different from regular talent management? Well, you know, I've done a lot of consulting in this space. I've worked with uh, organizations both in the U.S. and in many foreign nations. For example, I've been to China 69 times, and that's just one of many nations where I've spent a lot of time. And, And accelerated talent management, which has the clever acronym ATM, and we all know what an ATM machine is, ATM is is really meant to solve a problem that I've noticed as I've done consulting with organizations in as they try to deal with talent management or succession planning. And it might help for me to just mention how, first of all, succession planning and talent management might relate to each other. To me, Succession planning is not about figuring out whose names to plug in which boxes on the organization chart. The essence of succession planning is all about developing people for more responsibility or for greater exercise of their individual talents. And and talent management, to me, is bigger than succession, it includes development, which is the key to succession, but it goes beyond that to include 
recruiting from outside the organization and also retaining the best talent once we find it. So the the backstory to accelerated talent management is a very common the very common problems I see when I walk into an organization, as I've done many times, to help them implement either succession planning or talent management. And one of the problems I see when I walk in is that the organization is missing a lot of the essential infrastructure that is needed to support a talent management effort. For example, they have no clear policy on succession or talent. There's no clear alignment and measurable goals for the program that link up to the organization's needs and requirements. Uh, There may not be clear roles, senses of who does what. Uh, Line managers, for example, think that succession or talent should all be done by HR or by the OD group, and the OD and HR people think that line management has a major role to play in the process, and so there is role confusion about who should be doing what, and if that is not straightened out, we end up at the end of the day with a lot of finger-pointing and no action. And then another area is lack of an accountability system, which to me is the is one of the most important elements to look at. In other words, how do we reward managers and individuals for developing, attracting, and retaining talent? To me, that's an accountability system. And there are many ways to do that, but if we do nothing, we get nothing. So to me, accelerated talent management brings together two different areas. One of those is traditional or non-traditional thinking about talent management. And as as you mentioned at the beginning of this program, I've written many books on talent management, succession planning, and related topics. And it brings together um, this, this body of knowledge on talent management with another body of knowledge that should be familiar to a lot of your listeners if they have been in the organization development field for any period of time. And I'm speaking of whole systems transformational change. And as you may know, that's a book title written by Kathleen Dannemiller, who did the first such program at Ford Motor Company in 1980, And I basically have partnered with my sidekick, Rollin Sullivan, who is from that first generation of the OD field, and he's a whole systems expert, and I'm a talent management expert. You put the two of us together, and you turn us loose, and (laughs) we, we come into the organization, and our goal is to speed up the process of introducing and sustaining a talent management effort by overcoming that lack of infrastructure that is essential to support the talent program. You know, Heather, you might have heard that 70% 
of all talent programs fail within the first three years. Seventy percent fail within the first three years. And we found some of the common reasons for those failures. And much of it is attributable to the lack of the essential infrastructure that is needed for a talent program to work. I started out by explaining just some of that infrastructure. For example, lack of clear goals that are aligned to the organization, lack of clear roles who should do what, lack of clear goal or uh, accountability system, how do we hold people accountable for carrying out their role to help us achieve our goals. Another missing link is competency models, a very much misunderstood term, and I've written many books and done consulting just in that area alone. And a competency, which is still not fully understood by a lot of people out there, a competency is basically a description of the ideal person. And we know that the ideal senior executive is a little different from the ideal middle manager, which in turn is a little different from the ideal frontline supervisor, which is in turn a little different from some of our technical or professional experts. In short, in order to build talent, we have to know what kind of person we want at those different levels. And we have to have an objective way, not based on favoritism or the color of someone's hair, but instead based on objective measures of how well an individual matches up to the requirements for that particular level. So the fact sure. that someone is a wonderful middle manager does not mean they will be a wonderful executive upon promotion. So we have <laughs> Imagine to that. <laughs> identify those gaps. And so ATM is all about finding ways to speed up the process of getting all the pieces in place, all the pieces in the puzzle that we've got to have to make a best practice talent program workable and sustainable. Okay. So where do you start? Well, in whole systems, uh, we typically start with planning for a large-scale group event, which some people call it by that name. Some people call it a whole systems conference. For your listeners who are familiar with appreciative inquiry, they may know of the so-called Appreciative Inquiry Summit, and, and that's a book title. In fact, there have been many books written around that title, the Appreciative Inquiry Summit, where we bring all the key players together, usually for several days, and we essentially bang through all of the problems we have, come up with solutions and action plans, and when people walk out the door, they know what comes next, who is supposed to do what, why we're doing it, how it links up to the business needs, uh, how it's going to be implemented, how the results are going to be communicated. So we do all of that in one major event. In whole systems conferences, it's not unusual to pull together a thousand or more people for multiple days 
to do uh, planning and implementation. And we do this, we hear some managers say, oh, we need to change the corporate culture. Well, the problem is that how do you do that? And very often uh, change can take quite long to do in organizational settings and is fraught with potential difficulties because not all the key stakeholders buy into the change and not all of them have a say in coming up with the best solution. So in the whole systems conference, we bring all those players or at least representatives of all those players together and we get agreement on what our problems are, how we solve them, how we implement those solutions, how we measure the success of our effort. So basically we start by planning one of these large-scale group events. We get the players on target about what will be done, why those things are done, and then we, we have the uh, whole systems conference and we work through building that infrastructure that's essential for an effective talent program. And I talked about what some of those are. Sure. So this isn't just a group of HR professionals getting in a room together and designing this. This is people from all over the organization coming together in a large conference to work out the that's details. That's interesting. That's exactly right. And we've got to get away from thinking that HR is responsible for doing everything. Uh, there's a tendency, at least in some quarters, to believe that if it's a people issue, HR should do it all. And that's just as mistaken as the view that an IT problem can only be addressed by IT or an accounting problem can only be reviewed and decided on by the accounting department. Those groups are simply supportive of management decision-making. And talent is all about having the right people in the right places at the right times to do the right things to get the right results. And to dump all that on HR and expect them to be able to do everything is not only wrong, it's foolish. So we have to get all the key stakeholders together, get them clear, get their fingerprints all over it, get their hands dirty, make them think through some of the key issues that need to be addressed in order for, the, for them to play their part in this important process. Okay, so once you have this big meeting and you said everybody goes out of there knowing what their tasks are and everything, like, I'm just wondering, what, what does the outcome typically look like, or is there a typical? Well, there are so many After outcomes. they go out and implement it, what, what happens? What is the well, there are many outcomes to... Uh, an ATM process, an accelerated talent management process, you, you've, the most important is that you've overcome the lack of this infrastructure that is so critical. And unfortunately, in my experience, one of the mistakes a lot of organizational leaders make is they assume that if they go out and they buy an expensive talent management software program, that it will solve all their problems for them. And that's a common mistake because people confuse the means with the ends. 
they confuse the vehicle with the destination. So what I'm, what I'm saying is technology for talent management, and by the way, there's a lot of software programs on the market. One IT organization did a study, and they identified over 1,000 current packages, software packages on the market to support a talent management effort. That means we could spend almost our entire career just looking at software packages. And by the time we got all finished, we would need to start over because they'd all been refurbished from scratch since the time we began. The point of that is technology is a means to the end. It's not the end. And there are many management decisions that must be made in a talent management program for it to work right, and some of these managers may not be too familiar with. As I say, you can get a Harvard MBA and never hear a word about competency modeling, and yet having clear descriptions of the kind of people we want at each level on the organization chart is essential if we're going to try to build talent. You can't reach a target if you don't know what the target is. You can't reach a destination if you don't know what the destination is. And the same is true with building talent. And just because somebody did a great job at one level does not guarantee that they will do a great job at higher levels of authority. So we must be clear on what we want, how people measure against that, how we can do this objectively to avoid a lot of favoritism. And one thing we've really got to avoid with talent management is something called the like-me bias. Like-me. Like, issue there is that managers have a tendency to clone themselves. (laughs) So for this reason, men tend to pick men, women tend to pick women, White people tend to pick white people. Engineers tend to pick engineers. And in other words, if you're like your boss, then you've got an edge on a promotion because your boss looks at you and they think, oh, this person's like me. They're perfect to be promoted into my job. Well, that may or may not be true because times change. So the kind of person we have in a position Let's say we're talking about a senior executive. The kind of person we have in that senior executive job may need to change in order to achieve company goals because the business environment is changing. Yeah, so, well, that brings me to my next question, which is how do you make a link? Because I'm assuming that you don't necessarily do talent management in a vacuum. It should be connected somehow to the organization's goals or to some kind of change initiative. So I'm wondering, how do you make that alignment? Well, you're absolutely right, and my research shows 22 different measurable goals that could be achieved by a talent management program. 22 different measurable (laughs) goals. Well, I'm not going to ask you to list all 22, but can you name a couple of them just to give an idea? Well, today the the probably the most common drivers is that uh, in the Western nations like the U.S. and Western Europe, we've got a lot of baby boomers who are nearing retirement age. 
And we couple that with all the downsizing that has been done in so many organizations, and and that downsizing has falled has fallen on primarily middle managers. Well, what's the training ground for senior executive jobs? Middle management positions. This is why we value experience. So we we get people who are there are fewer people available to uh, be promoted because they have been downsized. So in Western countries, one of the big goals is to find replacements for senior leadership and then recognize the minute you promote someone from middle management into senior management, you've got what we call the domino effect, which is that that person at middle management then needs to be replaced, so we need a supervisor who's been prepared to step into the middle manager role, and we also need an hourly worker who's been prepared to step into the supervisor role. We call that the domino effect. And, of course, we can, we can recruit externally, but if we do that, we will run into a bidding war because there are too few of those talented people to go around. So finding replacements for retiring people is a common goal in Western countries. In Eastern countries like China, Thailand, Malaysia, and other such growing economies, we see that problem coupled with a second one, which is explosive business growth and, and very often the major limiter on business growth, that is expanding the number of plants or retail outlets or other business uh, ventures that we might have, is that we can't find enough trained, experienced talent to uh, fuel that growth. No one wants to open a plant if we can't find a plant manager to oversee the thing and there are too few of such people prepared in those Eastern nations. They, too, have the problem of a lot of baby boomer retirements going on at the very same time. So those are just two of many possible goals. Here's another one that's pretty common, coming up with a diverse workforce. For example, were you aware that only 14% of CEOs worldwide are females? And yet 53% of the world's population is female. So there's an obvious disparity between the world's population and the number of people occupying CEO positions. And that's just one example. So one of the common goals in a talent program is to try to achieve greater parity, that is, equality, among diverse groups represented inside organizations. So I just listed three of the 22 goals, and there are many others. I could go on and on, take up your whole show just talking about the <laughs> goals well, that could be so then, Yeah, you could. <laughs> and we only have about five more minutes. So... So help me make that connect. So if you have all these 22 goals that you could potentially do, you know, try to achieve with talent management. So how do you link those? How do you select which goals are important for your organization? Well, first of all, we have to have a clear organizational strategic plan. 
And even there, as a consultant, I run into trouble because I discover that very often the organization may have some nice stuff in print, but no one knows what it <laughs> means, or if they do, they don't necessarily live by it and implement it. So getting the direction of the organization clear and then getting the talent program in alignment with that and getting the managers to agree among themselves on what those goals are. And I run into yet another problem, which is that each manager seated at the top of the organization chart, like the CEO and his or her direct reports, they actually wear two hats. One hat is as a member of the governing group for that whole organization, but each of those managers, with the exception of the CEO, is also running a department or a function. So when they're asked to judge what the goals of a talent program should be, very often they, they are torn by a conflict between their responsibility to be a leader for the whole business and their responsibility to be a leader for one group within that business, which may, in fact, that group may, in fact, have different needs from the whole organization. So this creates a conflict, and if it's not resolved, we end up with our own leaders not agreeing on the goals of the talent program, a very common problem. Sure. So... So, Bill, we're uh, running out of time here, so I just want to ask you, how can listeners find out more if they'd like to know more about Accelerated Talent Management? Well, I've published many books on this topic. If you just go to Amazon.com or some other similar like Barnes & Noble and you type in my name, you will find a great many books that I have written around different components of this problem, such as uh, talent management itself, uh, succession planning, competency modeling, and also books uh, around topics that are emerging in this space that may be equally important, such as something I call technical talent management. And that technical refers to the problem a lot of the high-tech firms, the drivers of our global economy like Google and Apple and Dell and similar type companies are facing because all their engineers are nearing retirement age and engineering innovation is what's driving our global economy. Yeah. So looking at an engineer, how we recruit, select, develop, retain engineers and other knowledge workers is a little different from the way we deal with promoting people in the management. So I've written books on that topic. So many <laughs> okay. things that I'd be delighted to. So just look up Bill or, Bill or William Rothwell on Amazon yeah. or any other bookstores. Just look under William, lots of books. under William Rothwell, uh, and you'll find all these. And, of course, many other people have been writing on these topics as well. Great. Well, Bill, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, Heather, for the chance to talk about ATM. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma. If you'd like to be notified of future episodes and other resources to help you influence change in your organization, I invite you to sign up for my monthly newsletter at Enclaria.com. 
Not only will you receive helpful tips, but when you subscribe, you also receive a free chapter from my, my change management toolkit, The Irresistible Change Guide. Until next time, take care and best wishes for your change initiative. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty.